into your presence this morning. So we just thank you, Father. We thank you. We bless you. We honor you and we love you. We say have your way in us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, let's just lift up a crazy shout to heaven. Oh, hey! Thank you, Lord. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, good to see you, sir. Thank you, sir. Good to have you. Oh, thank you, Lord. So um, it's good to see your faces on this chilly morning. You know, the weather might be frightful, but listen, whew, Jesus, he is the calm of the storm. He is the peace in the storm. Listen, it's storming and he's asleep. He's at rest because he's right where he's supposed to be, in the hand of the Father, in the will of the Lord. Amen? Ah, oh, it's so good. And our life is hidden with Christ in God. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm supposed to do transition announcements, not preach. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Just a little excited this morning. Thank you, Lord. So we love to begin our service with just... Uh, putting our eyes on our Savior, welcoming God's Spirit and His presence among us. I think we've done that well this morning. Secondly, we'd love to begin our service uh, by acknowledging any guests. So if this is your first time fellowshipping and worshiping with us, um, we would love to say good morning and say hello to you. So if this is your first time, would you lift your hands so that we can say good morning and hello? Come on, welcome these guys. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. If you would... If you would keep your hand lifted just for another extra second so our ushers can find you, we have a gift for you this morning. Amen. I think that's about it. So in the bag, guys, is a loaf of bread. Yay. And as well, in the bag is a white card we call a connection card. Would you be so kind to fill that out? Um, we would love to know who you are. If you have any prayer requests, um, if you'd like to know anything about our church, We'd love to know you, and we're so excited to have you. So would you fill that little white card out and slip it into the offering as it goes by you? Amen? Okay, a couple announcements. Most of the things will come out of our bulletin. Uh, first order of business, we're calling this uh, Celebration of Life Service for Terry Ruth. Um, as you can see here, October 15th, 2 p.m., so on Saturday... We're coming together. We're coming to celebrate that the stone is rolled away. We're coming to celebrate resurrection, that we are not those who do not have hope. Our hope is anchored in Christ. And so we're coming together as a family to celebrate our sister, to celebrate the Ruth family. So uh, we just encourage you to come out. And if you'd like to honor Terry, the family's asked, you can make donations to the Benevolence Fund. Parking is available. All of this is, is in your bulletin this morning. Secondly, we have Kat Kerr coming to us. 
October the 21st through the 23rd. Uh, she's coming to teach about heaven. She's going to be doing evening services. There's more information on our website if you'd like to find out about that. Thirdly, uh, we have ever so often a connections class. And the connections class is happening October the 29th at 9 a.m. in our office here on Schaefer. And this is for people who, if you sense from the Lord, this is my church. I should join here. I should become a, you know, a member at this church. If you want to know more about what we're about, where our finances go, where our vision and our heart is, this class is for you. So we're going to actually have a, a sign-up sheet. That's going to be one of the issues on there. So if you'd like to join the church, you'd like to come out, learn more, child care is provided, and you can contact Pastor Rifle for that. Pass out the sign-up sheet in just one moment. Um, lastly, there's an exciting event happening in our children's ministry. I mean, you guys excited? Our kids are getting to know Jesus, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, like little ones. They're up here worshiping. They're waving flags. It's good. It's good to have that in our kids. And so Autumn Cruise, uh, the children are having an encounter weekend. And it's happening October the 29th as well. So it's a fall picnic. Uh, if you need information on that, see our sister Faith. And the details are in this bulletin. And on this sign-up sheet, just try to explain this to you really quickly. So there's two things on here. One is the connection class. And secondly, if you have children and you would like for them to take part in this uh, picnic, we ask that you would let us know how many students, how many children are coming, and then the number of parents. Sister Faith wants to know how many parents to account for. So the first box will be for students or the children, and the second one will be for parents. Amen? Awesome. So I will go ahead and pass these sign-up sheets. And without further ado, I'd like to call up our brother, our elder, Brother Joshua Nairindi, with the message for the tithe and offering. Come on, give him a hand. It's giving time. It's giving time. Pastor Doug usually panics when he sees such a huge... Because uh, <laughs> he thinks he's go I'm going to take the whole, uh, <laughs> whole service. But, so don't worry. Don't, don't be on the edge of your seat. <laughs> okay. Uh, so today's uh, giving uh, passage comes from uh, Luke 16, verses 1 to 12. Um, I'm, it's, it's pretty long, so I decided to paraphrase it and just give you the liberty to go and read it in your spare time. Um, but this is uh, one passage that uh, for the longest time was quite confusing to me until the Lord started dropping nuggets of revelation in, to me as the, the, the more I, 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 I looked into it. Um, this passage talks about the shrewd steward. Um, and, and essentially, in, in, in my paraphrasing, I'm going to be a little bit liberal to apply to modern day circumstances. But essentially, there was a rich man who um, uh, entrusted his uh, wealth with a steward to manage for, on his behalf. So he, his accounts and everything so that he could, he, could, he could manage them and maybe gain profit and things like that. What happened is... Um, in the course of time, the manager realized that this uh, steward wasn't managing his wealth properly. And so he called him and told him, hey, 
this has come to my attention, and so you, I'm going to let go, uh, to let go of you. Um, and the servant, I mean, the, 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 the steward decided, you know what, I'm going to be fired, and I need to be preparing for, my, for the day that I actually get unemployed. So he, he started thinking of the means he had in the moment and the little time left to try and prepare for his future. And so he realized he didn't have any savings. He realized he didn't have any retirement savings. He didn't have social security. He didn't have... Uh, um, and, 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 and probably he wasn't going to qualify for unemployment compensation because he was going to be fired, right? So, <laughs> so um, he started thinking, what can I do using the means I have? And so he ended up deciding, you know what? I can use what I have to try and prepare for my future. He started writing off huge debts to people that owed his master. Now, the master got wind of that as well. He, 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 it got to his attention. But surprisingly, this time, he wasn't mad at him. He actually said, you know what? For the first time, I'm impressed with what you did. He actually commended him, which was surprising given that he was actually using his money, uh, basically, you know, wasting his money by canceling those debts. But Jesus concludes the story by saying that, you know, even the sons of darkness are wise in how they use earthly money to secure things that are in the future. You know, I had two questions about it. The first question was, in my struggle with the whole thing, why did Jesus use this passage, which had all these crooked character issues, to advance a kingdom principle, okay? And then the second one was, why was the owner not bothered by the fact that the servant was wasting his money? Now, there are three lessons that I, I, I've drawn from this that I, I would want to share tonight, uh, this morning that uh, I believe answer these questions. The first is trusting God. The second one is the power of money. And the third is good stewardship. Trusting God. I think we can see the element of trusting God in um, how the master wasn't bothered by the waste that the manager he entrusted his wealth with. He realized that God was his source and not the money. Okay? And even we should realize that God is our source so that even what we have in our hand right now vanishes, that God can quickly replenish that. The second is the power of money. Now, money has got transformative power. It is a tool that can be used to change the future. And some good, some bad. So money itself is not bad, but it can be used for good purposes and it can be used for bad purposes. Talking about the wisdom of the people of darkness knowing the power of money, ask the lobbyists in D.C. and see how they influence future policy that impacts all of us for a long time. Okay, but the good thing is we too have money and can invest it in causes that can counteract that. Now, talking about good stewardship, that's, the way, that's where we come into 
invest in, 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 in eternity. Now, good stewardship is understanding that money is temporary. What you have in your hand today may not necessarily be with you by the end of this year. But, but you could use that to invest in something that can become permanent. Okay? Just like currency, you know, the American currency, although it's the world standard, you cannot take the American currency and go to Yugoslavia and use it to buy in the local market. You have to change it into the local currency for you to use it in that. Uh, and so we have a dichotomy here. We have earthly currency and we have kingdom currency. Now, good stewardship is converting our earthly currency into kingdom value. Okay? It's realizing that you have to convert something that is temporal into something that will last for a long time. And that way we gain eternal wealth. You know, several people have shared during the same uh, time about having people welcoming you in heaven and, uh, you know, all that is eternal wealth. Okay? Now, what is heavenly value? What is heavenly currency? It's bringing his kingdom down. When, I mean, bringing his kingdom on earth, bringing his will on earth. You know, as we invest into God's kingdom, these causes are advanced. And several of us here worry about terrorism. We worry about bad policies. We worry about all these other things. What we need to be encouraged this morning is that as we give, as the word of God becomes shared, that souls are changed and people who are going to be terrorists no longer go on that path. Okay. As we give to people and men of God who advance these causes, that they make an impact on Washington and the policies that bother us no longer become an issue because the people that are making the policies are people of character. Now, today we have an opportunity to turn what is of earthly value into eternal value. And what a privilege it is. What a privilege it is. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that uh, the earth is yours and the fullness thereof. We thank you, Lord, that you've entrusted us with wealth. You have entrusted us with stewarding these resources here on earth. And so, Lord, we thank you that we today choose to invest in eternal value. Your word says, Lord, that you give seed to the sower. And Lord, today I pray that even as people plant into your kingdom, that you may replenish the seed of the sower, hundredfold, to the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. So, ashes, please help with... uh, Spreading it around. We have several options of giving. If you don't have cash on you, if you don't have a check, we have, you can go to the website and give through that. You can even use your mobile phone right now to go to the website and you see a section that says give. Now, uh, without further ado, it is my privilege and honor to invite an anointed man of God, a friend of mine, a man in whom the anointing of sonship 
understanding of sonship, true sonship flows. Uh, Pastor Manuel, thank you. Before I let this powerful man of God say something, (laughs) it's not your time yet. Okay. (laughs) No, I just want to say just very quickly here, uh, just uh, a big thanks to uh, those who have given in to my uh, trip into Europe. Uh, I'll be leaving October 25th to go into Spain still trying to work out whether France is a possibility in Ukraine. And um, I just want, I want to say something. Jesus gives us a, an amazing picture in the Word of God. He says, Give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Jesus says that in my kingdom and in my economy, I never give you just enough. I never give you a little bit less. It's like if I have one of my children coming up to me and they're saying, Daddy, uh, I'm going out with some friends. We're going to go to the movie. We're going to uh, get something to eat. And I said, well, honey, how much do you need? She said, well, I think we'll need, I need about $20. Well, as a father, I'm not going to give her $15 and say, Baby, now this will humble you because I'm not giving you the entire amount, you know. What I'll do as a father that really loves my child, I'll say, here, here's $25 because you may, you may want to get something extra or whatever. And so I just want to let you know, our dad, our heavenly father is so good, so amazing. And I just want to say that what you guys did in giving was amazing. Because not only was the amount that was needed for my trip supplied, but I could go on two trips very easily right now. So praise God. So whatever is not used this time, whatever is not given to the pastors in Ukraine and Spain and other places will be set aside for another trip, okay? And, uh, but I just want to say thank you this morning. So blessed, so blessed. And just want to say thank you. And I just believe that God's going to give back to you, bless you, press down, shaking together, running over. Amen. Come on, Manny. Amen. 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 All right. Uh, where's uh, Elder Wayman? Elder Wayman, I, I brought my Bible, the King James Version. Just for you today. <laughs> How's everyone doing this morning? Great. Wonderful, awesome. Uh, Lord has been uh, really dealing with me. I woke up this morning, no power in the house. There was power here, though. Praise God. Power in our spirit. Amen. 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 So. Uh, I always like to start off with uh, some jokes, you know, some things that I find. Sometimes, this time I found some church signs. 
you know, some of those church signs that they put outside. And, uh, you know, when you go past the church, it's always good to look at these signs and sort of laugh and chuckle with some of the things I have to say. One, one of them said, staying in bed and shouting, oh, God, does not constitute going to church. <laughs> That's a nice church sign. <laughs> Here's another one, sort of Palm Heights Baptist Church. They put there, God does not believe in atheists, therefore atheists do not exist. (laughs) Here, here, you want some more? Here's another one, forgive your enemies, it messes with their heads. Hey, these are real. Goodwood uh, United Church put free coffee, everlasting lice, life. <laughs> yes, membership has its privileges. There's another one. I thought this was really funny. Don't be so open-minded. Your brains might fall out. <laughs> Who would put that on the front of their church? I have no idea. <laughs> Here's another one, and please don't get upset with me about this one. This is Wildwood Baptist Church. All right? It says, read the Bible. It will scare the hell out of you. (laughs) But why would they put that on the front of their church? Amen. It will. It will. It will. will. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to continue, and we've been talking about living a powerful life, and living a powerful life requires you uh, to just be who God called you to be. I believe that living a powerful life is walking out your full identity in God. In order for you to find your full identity in God, you have to totally understand, well, not totally understand, but you have to understand what what God has done for you, and then from there, let God be himself inside of you so like that he can bring that full identity in fruition inside of you. Amen? And one of the things I've been talking about is deliverance from the curse. Uh, uh, I, I laid down the foundation uh, several weeks ago on how the, the curse and the blessing is here on earth already. There's no, God doesn't need to say another blessing and God does not curse. He does not curse you. The curse came about because of a choice that man made to disobey God. God gave him a choice. He put a tree, two trees in the garden. And one tree was the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, don't touch that tree. And then the other tree was the tree of life. All right? And he said, you can eat from any other tree but this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what, what did Eve do and what did Adam do? They went and ate through curiosity. They went and ate from the tree that God said not to eat from. Therefore, the curse was birthed here on earth through sin and through disobedience. Amen? So what I see there and from the beginning of the Bible and all the way through, I continue seeing choices being made. In Deuteronomy, God said, I place before you the blessing and the curse. Choose this day which way you should go. God always has placed it in front of us to, for us to make a choice. What's infinite about God is that he never messes with our free will. It's so awesome. God is, 
the creator of everything, the creator of the universe, but yet there's something that he will not do, and that's go against his own word. And he gave us free will. We make our choices based on what we believe and how we follow after God. So when, when God introduces himself to man, man has a choice. Do I follow God or do I continue walking out in sin under the curse? Do I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me or do I continue to walk in condemnation and continue to think that I'm worth nothing and I have nothing? And then the thing about it is, is that if we were to present this to people in the way, not in the legalistic term, because you can take talking about deliverance from the curse in a legalistic term, where I begin to tell you, well, you know, you're under the curse because of this, and it's your ability. This has nothing to do with your ability. It has everything to do with what Jesus did on the cross. Amen? It has everything to do with renewing your mind in believing that you have inheritance and you have rights that Jesus gave to you on the cross. Now, let's go to that first scripture I have there, Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to take a couple of minutes here today. Wow, they gave me pretty much a good amount of time. Thanks, Artem. That's a good uh, organizer here. All right. Christ has redeemed us from what? Of the law. Now, the law was set in place way after Abraham. I set a foundation. I let you know that Abraham's the father of faith because Abraham did not come from the law. Abraham birthed what we call faith because he took action and made choices based on obedience to God. So God said, walk. He walked. God said, move. He moved. God said, stay. He'll stay. God said, I'll go, go this way. He goes that way. God said, sacrifice your son. He took him to a mountain, ready to sacrifice him. He was in total obedience, and therefore, God called him the father of faith. The promise that God made about Jesus was not made only in Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15, but it was made to Abraham. He said, your seed shall be blessed. And through that seed, the nations shall be blessed. So this is talking about Jesus. So here, Galatians chapter 3 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree, that the blessing of who? might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Through what? I want to touch up a little bit about faith today. Because faith is not only believing that Jesus did this, but faith is actually walking in what Jesus did. You understand that? Instead of for... How many know that the power of life and death is in your tongue? The power of curse and blessing is in your tongue. Life and death is the curse and the blessing. Believe it or not. 
Death is the curse. Life is the blessing. So when I speak, Jesus said, out of the abundance of what? The heart, the mouth speaks. So my heart needs to be changed in order for me to change the way I speak. And it also, the Bible also put the heart and the mind together because the mind and the heart work as one. So I need to renew my mind in how I think, how I process things, and how I act out things in order for me to walk out my faith to the fullness that God is asking me to, to walk it out. Amen? So a lot of times people come and they tell me, well, I'm saved by grace. Amen. Well, you can walk by grace. Um, you know, I hear, I hear a lot of people saying, and there, there, is, there, there is a strong definition that says grace is undeserved favor. Right? Well, you know, the other day I was listening to Graham Cook. He said something that caught my attention. Uh, grace is undeserved favor if you're not walking in Christ. You know why? Because Christ deserves favor. He deserves the grace. And the Bible says he grew in grace and in favor. So why would God give him something that was undeserved? And if Christ is in us, why do we have something that's undeserved? Are you, are you hearing this? That means that grace is not undeserved favor. Grace for you and I is deserved favor because Christ is in us, and therefore we need to grow in grace. And as we grow in grace, God begins to give us more. It's an empowerment to stay away from the things of the world and to be totally opposite and different than what the world says and does. Amen? It's an empowerment, and it comes by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So I have to constantly be in this faith mode because I told you last, last time I spoke that when you came to Christ, your spirit was born again. Your spirit is brand new. Your spirit is, there's nothing wrong with your spirit. Right now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with your spirit. But there's this thing called the soul, and it's your mind, will, and emotions. And you came with a lot of mind and a lot of will and a lot of emotions. Amen? And that does not change overnight. That does not change overnight. And anybody who's had an a instantaneous change overnight, praise God for you. I, I believe it can happen. I believe you can renew your mind. But there's just certain characteristics, certain personalities, certain things that came along with you. Some of them God had planted in you from, the, from, from when you were, before you were even born. Your spirit had them already in you, some of your personality traits. But there's some things that you learn from the world that don't belong to God or to the kingdom. And then now you have to start letting it go. And it's hard to let things go. So why, why, why did I use Abraham as an example? Because God was constantly telling Abraham to let things go. Get out of your father's house. Let it go. Right? The bond woman, the slave woman you had a kid with, let them both go. Let them go. Listen to your wife. Let them go. There you go. Listen to your wife, men, men of God. Amen. I call that second voice of the Holy Spirit. 
Come on. It is your faith process, how you process. See, a lot of people, they don't like the process. They want the finished product. They want, they want the finished product, but they don't want the process. Because we live in a generation that is very, what I call the microwave generation. You pop it in, three minutes later, boop, you got a meal, right? And so we, we skip the process, Right? We skip the process. We want to skip the process and everything. If, you're, if your mind is set on the goal, then the process won't bother you. What happened to the disciples? Their mind was not set on the finished goal because Jesus said, let us go to the other side. So the process unwinded them and totally had them out of faith because they were not focused on the finished goal. They were focused on the process. Are you getting this now? When you walk by faith, you walk by the promise of the Spirit through faith that God has given you from the beginning of time. If he says you're blessed, you're blessed. If he says you're blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed going in, blessed coming out, then you're blessed. You either believe it or you don't. Your belief system will attribute on how you act and react to certain things. So when Satan comes and blows a little storm, like he did this past weekend, I wouldn't say, you know, totally Satan, but when Matthew (laughs) comes around, you're not sitting there worried about whether or not your house is going to get blown over or whether or not. Things are happening because of this or because of that or because... No, no, no. You walk out the blessing and you say, I know what God said about my house. I know what God says about where, where I'm at. I know that there are angels protecting this territory. I know that a storm could pass here and my house will stay right where it's at. Amen? Amen? Listen to this. I had a friend recently uh, down in Texas and he was telling me a story. He said, he said the tornadoes had hit down in his uh, neighborhood. And we're talking about a little uh, a cul-de-sac community where, you know, you, you, many of us live in those communities where we have several houses next to us. And, and so in this community, all across the street and around the corner, the tornado had tore everything up. Everything. He had three houses down this way, three houses down this way, but his house was not touched. His house was not touched. He said when the tornado hit, they got into prayer and they began to say, Lord, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Who tells the winds to go? Who is this man that the winds obey him? It is by faith that we stand and we have to stand in the middle of whatever it is to take faith action. When faith is mixed with action, things begin to happen for ourselves. Amen? When you walk out the blessing, you're walking out by faith that what Jesus did on the cross, it's done. It's finished. It's over. You don't need to go back to it. You don't need to say amen. It is finished. It is finished. The thing is, is that the biggest problem that we have is that we have to convince ourselves it is finished. And yes, things will come up because Satan likes to work with your past. 
So things will come up. And, he'll, you know, sometimes Holy Spirit will remind you and say, hey, let go of this. And you say, okay, I'll let go of that. You know, I'll let go of this. You know, when, when I came to God, I was an addict and I was addicted. And I believe addiction is a distortion of worship because you begin, you begin to worship whatever you're addicted to. It becomes your God. It becomes, it becomes a part, an integral part of your life that God never established for you to have in the first place. It destroys you. It brings you to a, a place where you're incapacitated in your thinking. And Holy Spirit cannot work with you. But when God comes into your life and he says, we can let this go. And you know why you can let it go? Because I've given you grace and I've empowered you. And through faith, you can walk this thing out. And you don't need to go and detox 50 days. All you need to do is walk this thing out and believe that the curse is over in Jesus' name. Amen? Listen, I can tell you supernaturally that God has given, uh, given us supernatural miracles when we go around the world and we lay hands on people. We were in Mexico one time, and there was a young man who was addicted to heroin. Everybody knows that heroin is a terrible drug, that even when you're going to kick the, the habit, it gets into your bones, and it will cause your bones to ache during those three days or seven days that you're kicking the habit. But this, this young man had came to me and said, I'm done. With this habit, I'm done with it. I want to make a commitment to Jesus. I want to make sure that... And then you know what? We laid hands on him and we said in Jesus' name, walk out that your curse is over and that Jesus paid the price for you. The very next day, he told me I have no pain. I'm kicking this thing. Three days later, he had no pain, nothing. He was just kicking this thing. And then seven days later, he is still walking around going, I don't know what happened. Usually I get the sweats. Usually I get fever. Usually I get this. But this time around, I feel as though I'm totally set free. Amen? Amen. That is the blessing that God has given us. The thing is, is that you have to convince yourself sometimes because your mind will revert back to its old man. Look at your neighbor and say, you're dead. Yeah, Romans, Romans 6 says, it says that we are dead to sin. You are dead to sin. That means that when sin comes around and tries to convince you otherwise, you can say, hey, I'm dead to that. Nothing is alive in my senses that would allow me to go back into that action. Come on now. It's totally dead. Amen. Some of you, uh, Pastor Doug and uh, Pastor Rifle, have double-dipped you in the pool. Your old man is done for. I, I don't know where this mentality we get that we're constantly struggling with the old man. That, that is a wrong theology where we're saying we're, uh, we're struggling with the old man. Why? He's dead. Doesn't he stink? Don't you smell him? Get rid of him. Amen. If you're carrying around your old man from five, six, seven years ago, it stinks. It's wretched. Does that make sense? It's dead. The only one who can resurrect it is you. 
You resurrected. You go back to that little funeral spot and say, oh, man, I miss this old man. Old man, rise up. Walk with me today. You are the only one who can do that. No one else has the authority. You say, oh, man, I feel the old man rising up. You ever heard that? If you are struggling with your old man, it's time to get it off your back. You've been carrying it for too long. It's dead. It stinks. Leave it alone and say, it's dead. It's done with. I'm walking in the blessing. Listen to this. Romans 4, 16. Therefore, it is by faith that it might be by grace to the end. The promise might be sure to all the seed, not To that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of faith, Abraham, who is the father of us all. So his example is where we have to start taking and saying, I'm going to let it go, let it go, let it go, let it go. Amen. Well, Pastor, what do you think about people who backslide? Like I said. You either decide to walk this out or you decide not to walk this out. You make the decision. God leaves it up to you. You are powerful beings. Do you understand that? We are powerful beings. They're so powerful that God leaves the decisions up to you whether or not you want to walk this out and see the anointing of God. Amen? God leaves the decision up to you whether or not you want to lay hands on the sick and cast out them. He gives you the power to do it, but he leaves the decision to you to do it. The authority, the power, the blessing is all in you. It's just a matter of you convincing yourself. Now you got to look in the mirror sometimes and say, in Jesus' name, I'm blessed. I receive it today. I am a child of the living God. I am not an orphan. I am not a bastard. I am a child of the living God. I'm not a nephew and I'm not a grandson. I am a son and a daughter of the living God. Amen? Sometimes you have to convince yourself. Because your biggest battle is going to be with yourself. Because your mind, will, and emotions, your soul, is still dealing with some things. And this is where Galatians 5 comes in, because it starts telling you that your mind, will, and emotions is fighting with the spirit that God has in you. Your mind, will, and emotions is telling you, no, you're not. No, you can't. No, that won't happen. You won't have the money for that. You're poor. You have nothing. You can't do this. Your family was poor. You'll be poor. You know your mom had cancer. You'll get cancer. You know your mom had diabetes. You should have diabetes. You know your mom had this. In the name of Jesus, you don't need to walk in that anymore. You walk in the blessing. Walk in the blessing. Walking in obedience is walking in deliverance, and you will be a blessing to many. Go to the next slide, please. Now, it says, Galatians 5.1, if we read this next slide... (laughs) There it is. (laughs) I like this. The Bible says, stand fast in the liberty with which Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Which means that the yoke of bondage could entangle you again. 
But there's a sort of a directive here or marching orders like, you know, Wayman (laughs) talks about being in the military and it says stand fast. Now stand fast is a marching order for you to just take a position. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, take a position. Stand fast. You take your position in the liberty which Christ has made you free. You have to stand fast. It doesn't say Holy Spirit will make you stand fast. It doesn't say Holy Spirit has told you or that has, has brought you to stand fast. It doesn't say Holy Spirit will do this. No, it says you stand fast. So this is an instruction to us as believers to stand fast in the liberty which Christ has made it free. Therefore, if I'm going to see everything that is in the liberty that Christ has set me free, I need to stand fast in it. Amen? I need to stand fast in it. And some of us have issues with that. Some of us have issues with that. And I've heard so many people complain and speak against the church and speak against this preacher, speak against that preacher. You know, God has diversity of gifts in the body. And each one is not going to say the same thing. You know, some of us who are evangelists, we go, well, why don't they, they make more altar calls? Or why don't they speak more about sin? And why don't they do this and that? Well, that's your job. It's not necessarily everybody else's job. Amen? Maybe you don't like a certain preacher because he doesn't uh, talk about this and talk about that. Maybe God has called you to talk about that, but yet you're complaining and sitting there and being complacent. You haven't stand fast in your position, and you're complaining about somebody else standing fast in their position. Hello? (laughs) If I'm stepping on your toes this morning, say, ouch. (laughs) You have a complaint? (laughs) I don't like the worship. Join the worship team. No, here we have amazing worship. To join the worship team here is like, you know, American Idol. You know, you have three, wor- three judges there. Um, Danielle and Seth, they'll really, you know, background check, all of that. Just kidding, just kidding. Can you stand fast in something that God has given you, which is called liberty? And it's not liberty to do whatever you want to do. It's liberty to do whatever he wants you to do. Does that make sense? Let me repeat that again. It's not liberty for you to do what you want to do. It's liberty for you to do what he wants you to do. It's full liberty that at any given moment, God says, see that person right there? Yeah, get him. That's the liberty that you walk in. It's freedom. It's pure freedom. Be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. The yoke of bondage. Now, if anyone knows what a yoke is, it's, it's this thing, this wooden thing they used to put on the, uh, 
uh, the cattle and to hold them together, right? So just imagine you got that thing on your neck and your old man is dangling there all nasty and dead and corroded. And you're there. Hey. Your attitude, oh, man, it stinks. Everything about, every time you walk into a room, people are like, oh, Lord, here we go again. You're walking with that dead man. (laughs) You can smell it from a mile away. (laughs) Is this making sense? Because when your old way of thinking, your your old habits, your old way of doing things... You know, I'm, 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 I was a very angry person, very angry, you know. I didn't like to talk to people. And if you wanted to talk to me, you know, you either had to bring something that I liked or, you know, or something I could benefit from. I was selfish. I was angry. I was always in this place of, misunderstanding people. I could not keep relationships. There was no way I can keep relationships because I was constantly walking with this mentality that everyone was against me. I was defensive. I was offensive. (laughs) So if you were offended by me, I didn't care. (laughs) It's just the way it was. And that's what I thought. And sometimes we can get caught up as Christians in that same mentality. We go, oh, that's just the way that person is. Oh, just let it be. No, the person needs deliverance, and they need you to help them take the yoke of bondage off of them. How do you do that? You don't confront them with legalism. You don't confront them out of, out of, out of this anger. The same thing, you, you meet them on their level. No. You don't confront them going, hey, you, dummy, why are you acting crazy? I pity the fool who act crazy. Knock your crook your head. Jesus' name. Not going to work. Not going to work. First of all, you have to ask God for grace. <laughs> because maybe God is dealing with something in you at the same time. I totally believe that relationship are based on God dealing with you and dealing with the person at the same time. So as you build this relationship, iron sharpens iron, and you begin to have, are you going to have conflicts? Yes, that's why there's conflict resolution. And God begins to deal with you on certain things that you didn't even know that was bondage in your life, and God begins to deal with that person on certain things that was bondage in their lives. So what do you have to do? You have to start walking in obedience Here's, look at Acts chapter 10, verse 38. This is what Jesus did. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing what? And healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. How many know that God is with you? He's not only with you. Check this out. This is how amazing it is. He's in you. Do you understand that? The almighty, the living spirit of God is in you. That means that you could go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. That you can do. 
Look at your neighbor and say, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. But in order for that to happen, you need to stand fast in the liberty that God has given you. You need to untangle yourself from the yoke of bondage, release the old man, and say, you know what? I'm going to walk this thing out with him, and I'm going to walk it out in him. And anytime you come across somebody, what I call God, God incidents, not coincidence, but God incidents, and you walk, in, you walk into a place, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, and you begin to have a conversation, all of a sudden God begins to deliver somebody and bring this person out of bondage, and you can open up their blind eyes because you're walking and standing fast in liberty. Go to the next slide. These are a couple of reference scriptures. I know they're small. But in Isaiah 9.4, it says, For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his so- shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. That's what God has done. He's broken the yoke of the burden and the staff of the op- of, of, of this shoulder and the rod of the oppressor. The oppressor is no longer in control of your life. The slave master no longer has control. Now you are a servant and a son under a whole different system. Which means that although this worldly system is here, you can operate in a whole different category, in a whole different system, and still affect this worldly system here. Amen? This is what Daniel did. Daniel stood in a different system, but he was in the kingdom system, and he operated in the kingdom system by faith, knowing that he was standing fast in liberty, knowing who his God was, and this was before Jesus, and he knew who his God was, and therefore God gave him favor, God gave him grace, and God had him affect not one, but two, but three kings and nations. And he was never, he was never sent out to be killed. Isn't that amazing? He would stand there and say, well, this is what God is saying. And you would think this evil king is going to hang this guy for saying this. No. Know why? Because he was operating in a different system. He was operating in a different mentality. He was operating in a different place. All the people going to workplace. And maybe you can't say this or maybe you can't say that. But God will give you grace. He will give you wisdom, give you favor. And you can become probably the boss of that place where you change those rules and you affect that initially because God has given you a whole different mentality and a different system. Our kingdom system is to affect this worldly system. I don't care who you are. You are to be affecting the system around you. Because what you have, the the Bible says the kingdom of God is in you. It's in you. Do you believe that? It is in you, the full kingdom. I know Kat will be here in another two weeks, and she's going to talk to you some, you know, some of these experiences that she has in heaven, right? And then, you know, heaven is so vast and so big. I don't think, you know, she could cover everything in three days. But, But one thing I can tell you is that all of that, that she t- is in you. Did you understand that? All of the kingdom, you are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. And everything has been given to Christ Jesus. 
Even the devil knows that. Do you understand that the devil has a written mandate that says he has no control anymore? He just act like he does. Because of decisions people make, they allow access. This earth does not belong to Satan. He is the prince of the air, not the prince of the earth. Does that make sense? We can get more into that some other time. But he's the prince of the air, the second heaven. He doesn't have no control. This earth was given to us, to man, to reign and to rule over. Therefore, as the church, as the body of Christ, we can limit his access here in this area in Jesus' name. We can give him eviction notices Whatever place where he's operating or his kingdom is operating, we give him eviction notices in Jesus' name. When we walk and operate with the mentality of faith and in the blessing, we walk into that place. Whatever was cursed becomes a blessing now because you just walked in. Does that make sense? Some people go, well, you know, God never told you to walk in. It's true. God never told you to walk in there. and You have to walk in obedience. But there are some things that God has given us total access to, and it's in the Word. You don't need to hear a word. You know, sometimes I get these people, they're like, oh, I'm waiting for God to give me a word. They sit there and sit there and sit there. Well, God is not a late bus driver. Somebody told me one time, I heard 10 years ago, God told me I was called into ministry. And I go, that was 10 years ago? He said, yeah. He said, what are you waiting for? I'm just waiting for another word. Huh? No, no, no. God gives you a word and then walk it out. Go through the process. And then the fruition of that thing will come to pass. But you need to walk into it first. The word will not be activated until you walk into the word. You have to do it by faith. The minute that you walk into the word, the word is activated, and then the process begins, and then the fruition of that will begin to flow. Amen? You cannot sit around acting like God. You're waiting on God to do something. When the Bible says in Hebrews 4 that he did everything, he completed everything and rested on the seventh day. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, finito, done, terminado. <laughs> like I say, it's for my Spanish friends. It's done. It is finished. That means if you get a word, you walk in. Don't be like the children of Israel and talk yourself out of it. Well, you know... I understand what you're saying, brother. I totally understand what you're saying, and I believe that word. I receive it in Jesus' name, but uh, it's going to have to wait for a little while. I got to get them some things in order first, you know? I buy some suits and ties and, you know, just don't got the money for it right now. And, and so we, we start talking ourselves out of what God is trying to bless us with. 
Instead of for just saying, I receive it, I'm going to walk it out. And every day you say, Lord, I receive that word in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that today is the day that you have created. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And today I will be who you called me to be in Jesus' name. And just begin to walk it out and see the fruition of it. What's the difference between the person? I have people that have been in church five years, six, seven, ten years. And then they see somebody one year. And that person in one year is like, boom. And they're like, oh, man, God is really blessing that person. Well, it's the same blessing. God doesn't have no redheaded stepchildren. Hello? It's the same blessing. The only difference is they decided to walk it out. They decided to, com- they convinced themselves that it was true and that's it. It's done. It's over with. Let's walk this thing out. Amen? How many people I have like that today? Come on now. You can, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. Romans 6.18 says, being then made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. Listen to this. I'll convince you even more. 1 Peter 2.16 says, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Romans 8.2 says, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Go to the next slide. I want to really touch up on this. Romans 8, because everyone talks about Romans 8. We always use that first scripture, right? That first scripture is famous, man. You could say it. I mean, you memorize. That's your first. When you become Christian, that's your Christianese scripture, right? Christianese, right? You learn these scriptures as your Christianese, you know? Okay. Now, they say, oh, brother, don't judge me. Because there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And then we stop. I'm in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. But then it doesn't stop there. There's no period. There's a comma. There's a comma. (laughs) There's more. What does it say? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. (laughs) So if you got that decrepit thing that's been hanging off your neck for the past... It's time to let it go and walk after the Spirit. And it says here, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. He condemned it in that flesh. Because Jesus walked after the Spirit. Anything he did, he said, whatever I do, I see my father do it. So I'm, re- I'm only doing what my father does. Therefore, I am a puppet. Jesus. Holy Spirit, I submit to you to use me the way you feel like using me. At this very moment in time, I submit to you to do as you please. Amen. Your mind is going to try to come back up and tell you, uh, you might not want to do that. 
because it's not politically correct. <laughs> we do a lot of impolitical correct. <laughs> we do a lot of political incorrectness here, by the way, all right? So don't get upset with us. Listen to this. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Go to the next slide, please. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. You have to, you have to actually, and I believe Romans 8 is something that every Christian needs to memorize and put in their spirit. You have to actually figure out. Am I doing these, am I minding the things of the flesh or am I minding the things of the spirit? For to be carnally minded is what? I'm not saying this is the word of God. But to be spiritually minded is. You remember uh, some people always say, you know, I lost my peace, man. I lost. Lost all my peace, my joy. Where'd you lose it at? <laughs> Go back there, pick it up. <laughs> You're negligent. Jesus said, I give you peace. <laughs> I leave you peace, not like the world leaves you, right? So he left it with you. Take, walk with it. Where'd you leave it at? Jesus left it with you. Be spiritually minded is life and peace. So you ever heard that, that saying, and I'm not a big thing about saying, but that saying where it says, you're so spiritually minded, you're no naturally good. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I really don't. Because Jesus was very spiritually minded, and he was very naturally good. He was earthly good all the way. To the point they could not find anything, any crime on him. That's how earthly good he was. And he was very spiritually minded. So throw that saying out the window. And I'm not talking about being flaky now. Where you're woeing it all the way to work. Whoa, whoa, Jesus, whoa, whoa. Yeah, 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 okay. I'm not saying, you know, go back to your hippie days. <laughs> or you're freaking people out. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> There's grace. There's wisdom, you know. Now, if Holy Spirit got you there, that's fine with me. You know, one time we were, I was preaching in Mexico recently, and I walk out of the service, and there's a lady just laid out right on the sidewalk. <laughs> they said, Pastor, what do we do? Do we pick her up? I said, just leave her there. She can't drink and drive. <laughs> do we have a designated driver? Just leave her there. <laughs> you know, there's a time and place for that. But if you're walking in the spirit, you're spiritually minded, you're constantly trying to figure out what God wants you to do next and who God wants you to impact next. And you're like, ooh, look at, oh, there's an atheist. Oh, ooh, this is going to be fun. You're excited about who God wants to impact. 
You're not there to debate. You're there to tell them about the great, the great rebate they receive. Next, and I'm going to finish this up. So then, no, no, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Do you know that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And faith is a spiritual thing. It is not a natural thing. Some try to coincide their faith with religion. They go, oh, well, I'm a whatever first church of God, Pentecostal holiness slash Jesus is coming soon dot com. That's my faith. That is not your faith. (laughs) If your faith is based on your denomination and on your religious belief system, then you've lost it. Your faith is in Christ and what he did at the cross. Now, let's finish this up. It says, but you are not in, who's it talking to? You. Me. This, this scripture is saying, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, that's a question for another day. <laughs> I believe that everyone sitting here who is born again has received Jesus Christ. The spirit of God is dwelling in you. It says, now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now, our job is to try to grab the ones who don't have the spirit of Christ and make them his. That's your job. That's what we're called to do. And we're also called to walk in the liberty. So we can't act like the world and win the world. You can't act like the world to win the world. The only reason why the world will be interested in anything you have to say is if you're totally different than they are. And I'm not talking about legalism, change, your clothes, and you're all looking all prestigious, and, you know, that's religiosity. I'm talking about the way you speak, the way you think, the way you handle things, the way your character is, the way your personality is. All of that will exhume who God is in you, and that will be a whole game changer for you and for that person. Let's stand to our feet. Here's the thing. Why did I pick the topic? It's, so, it's very controversial. I guess somebody hears it, looks at it the first time on YouTube. Deliverance for the curse, and they'll think totally something different. They'll watch it. Because we're constantly struggling with things. You see, a salvation that's based on negativity is not a real salvation. Salvation is based on fear. It's not real salvation. So if people are like, well, you know, you don't get saved today. 
You'll die and go to hell. And they sort of scare you into salvation. No, that was the old, you know, very old school way of doing things. Some of it's true. I'm not saying that it's not true. But if it's fear-based, it's not God-based. Because God does not operate in the spirit of fear. He operates in love. There's another thing. If it's based on negativity, where you're like, my sin, my sin, my sin, my sin, my sin, then you have owned your own sin and not let Jesus own your sin. So it's not based on salvation. Salvation should not be based on those things. It should be based on what Christ did on the cross for you and then you walking that out. Will it happen from here to tomorrow? Maybe not. But I tell you what, enjoy the process. Let God deal with the issues. Let God deal with all those things. Let the old man just take it off your neck. Let him die. Let him stay in the desert dead. Let the bones rot away. Don't even go back to it. Let God take you through and take you out and take you in. Amen? Amen? You're going to receive that today. We're going to do something a little different. I think at this very moment in time, each and every one of us have had this battle. I call it the mind battle. Where our mind, will, and emotions have wanted to struggle against what the Word of God says that we are and who he says we are and our mind will and emotion says no <laughs> you know I give you a little story uh, several years back was uh, I met with um, a man of God you know very well known man of God he mentioned something he, he was so profound in worship and he said, in heaven, worship is perfect. There's not one chord off. The voices are unison. There's harmony that you've never even heard of. The angels can sing to the top of their lungs, and everything is just perfect. But he said, could you imagine that God tells them all to shut up for a second? He said, just be quiet. I hear something down there. My children are worshiping. And the angels go, that noise? They're out of tune? That one just screeched? Sounds crazy. And he told me it was equivalent to when your little child brings you their first drawing. And you put that first drawing, and you don't even know what it is. Is it a spider? <laughs> is it a frog? You just put it on the fridge. And you say, this is my son's or my daughter's drawing. It is the best Picasso you can ever find. That's who you are to God. Heaven will shut down for you. At the very instant that God hears you, God says, shh, I hear my children. I hear them crying. Do you hear them? 
And many people find that very weird. Because, and I think I can share this here, and I'll share this and then we'll pray. I had an experience years back when I first got saved. And I'm sitting there praying, and I see these figures of angels come down. And I knew they were angels. They didn't have wings, people, okay? I just knew they were angels. And they were staring at me while I was praying. And I felt like somebody, you know how it feel like somebody's staring at you and you know they're staring at you? And you're just like, okay, I'm going to open my eyes and I'm not going to be rude about it. So I, I turned around and I see them peering like this at me, you know, and just like looking curious. And I said, Holy Spirit, what is this? Why are they here? Why are they looking at me curiously? And why? I'm trying to pray. The Spirit instantly told me and said, these angels are the ones who questioned me and said, who is man that you are mindful of them? So I send them down to you to see who you are. Are you listening to this? You are special to God. To the point where angels try to figure you out. Because they can't figure out how God and his infinite spirit is sitting inside of you. This small being, but so powerful. And you know what else they question? Why aren't you using it? Why are you still stuck? My goodness, do you know the power that you have? I want us to grab each other's hands today. I believe there's spiritual warfare happening in the realm of the spirit. One, for the upcoming elections. Two, because of where the church is at. Three, because the Lord knows that we're engaging in a battle right now. And this is not about just America. We're engaging in a battle as the body of Christ. But I want us today to just start convincing ourselves of who we are. <laughs> Use the word. I am a child of God. Wherever you're struggling at, wherever you feel as though you felt like a void... Just start filling in that voice. Say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I am a child of God. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. I am a child of God. I'm not just a regular person. I am called. I am anointed. I am co-heirs with Christ Jesus. I am seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is in me, the hope of glory. I have what he says I have. The promise of Abraham is my promise. The blessing of Abraham is my blessing. Amen. So we're just going to pray over each other right now. Just go ahead and just, just, just whoever, you don't need to look at them or anything. Just go ahead and grab them and, and just start. Just start speaking life into them. If you feel as though you need to turn around. and know last week we encouraged each other. If you, you need to turn around and just encourage them. Or just tell them, you know, who God says you are. Just encourage them. I, I don't, you, you don't need to give a, a very dramatic prophetic word. All you need to do is just, and it just, just speak 
over their lives. Speak over people's lives. Speak over each person next to you. Speak over them. Say, God, this person next to me, these people next to me right now, Father, I just thank you that they are powerful. They are powerful. They are sons and daughters of God. They are powerful. I'm just going to call out some things that I feel as though need to fall off. Some bondage that needs to fall off right now in Jesus' name. Poverty in Jesus' name. We are blessed. We don't walk in the spirit of poverty. We are blessed in Jesus' name. Poverty will fall off in Jesus' name. Addiction will fall off in Jesus' name right now. Depression will fall off in Jesus' name. 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 Sickness in Jesus' name, disease in Jesus' name, right now, right now, right now, right now, now, right now, any generational sickness right now, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, the yoke of bondage is breaking, the yoke of bondage is breaking, religiosity, legalism is breaking in our lives, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I just ask all the ministry team, if you feel led right now, just go out and just pray. Lay hands on people. We break the chains of bondage in Jesus' name right now. There is no chain of bondage in Christ Jesus. Spirit of condemnation, we break you off in Jesus' name. Spirit of fear, we break you off. We cast you out in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. name. We decree love over your life. We decree love in the area where there's fear. No fear in Jesus' name. You are brave in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Right now. Right now. Right now. Insecurity. We break it off of your life right now. In Jesus' name. Low self-esteem. We break it off of your life right now. right now listen to this listen to this is a word just got a word of knowledge right now just listen
And no one needs to come forward. You just need to stand where you are and put your hand over your heart. Whoever's going through. Someone who had struggled with abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse, and sexual abuse. God is healing your heart right now. He is healing your soul right now from that wound. He is releasing liberty. He's releasing love like never before. He's releasing love like never before. And he's just saying, I will never abuse you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Because I love you. Because I love you. 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 I love you, says the Lord. you you see someone crying next to you someone who you know is being healed just just encourage them just be with them right now